I am Baruch Van. Welcome. You are listening to JMAP Life Academy. Over the last few weeks, we've discussed different forms of relationships and how to be successful in your different relationships. And uh, we finished with the topic of relationships. Now we are moving on to the topic of setting goals, setting successful goals, achieving them, and being successful in life in general. Please join us and learn how to set goals that will make you successful. Welcome to JMAP Life Academy. Thank you for joining us. We've had a bunch of sessions already. We spoke about relationships. We taught the three foundations of relationships. Um, connection, affection, and knowledge. We spoke about them in a lot of different contexts. We spoke about them in context of friends, friendships. We spoke about them in context of parent-children relationships. We spoke about sibling relationships. We spoke about marriage. We spoke about dating for marriage. That's all water under the bridge. There's a great podcast you can listen I cut out all of the Indian comments that people made, and I left in the good, and I left in the good ones. I, I also had to cut out some of the things that I said, um, and I left the good ones. So you can listen to those if you want to hear those topics. And tonight we're moving on. Tonight we're going to start, finish with the topic of relationships, and tonight we're going to start the topic of achieving goals, achieving goals. In general, the topics that we teach in JMAP Life Academy are um, life skills, life skills, the things that we need to succeed in life. And everything that I teach comes from the Torah. Sometimes I tell you the source, sometimes I don't tell you the source. It's definitely not coming from academic sources. It's just coming from the Torah. The extent of my academic experience is just about enough um, to professionally make my mother happy. Okay. I, I've said that publicly before. I got my degree. I didn't even receive it myself. I had it sent in the mail straight to my mom. Okay. That's why I graduated. But anyways, I'm not qualified from an academic perspective to teach. I'm only qualified from a Torah perspective, so I stick to that. I teach Torah-based life skills. And tonight we're going to talk about achieving goals. Obviously, everybody, like, everybody wants to achieve goals. Everybody has dreams. Everybody has goals that they're currently engaged in pursuing. And we want to make sure that we achieve them successfully. The simplest definition of success that we, we go by is, simply put, accomplishing our goal meaning pulling off the task. Whatever it is that we've tasked ourselves with doing, when we pull that off, we consider that we were successful, right? That definition, it leaves a little bit to be desired. For example, I was just reading about this guy, um, I think his name is like Ashrita Furson or something. Anybody ever heard of him? I think he has 112 Guinness records. One of them is the fastest, the fastest ever that a postage stamp was blown 100 feet across the floor with a sloth hanging off of your chest. What? Yeah, exactly. Is that an achievement? I have to say, it's an achievement. He practiced, you know, he literally practiced. And, um, and he did it. I mean, look, no one else has ever done it that fast. And I think that's one of the records that he's going to hang on to for a while, personally, if you ask me. It's an achievement. He set out to accomplish a task, a difficult task, and he did it. And Guinness is a great, direct, is a great address for, for understanding this pro, the nature of this problem, the nature of how limited this definition of success is. Because Guinness is full of ridiculous things like that. Like the guy who pulled a freight train by his teeth, or like the guy who the most weight ever held on by a laundry clip to your earlobe. You know, like all this type of stuff. I, you guys didn't read this when you were kids? Yeah? yeah? 
Yeah, that's what, yeah, what we read when we were kids. I remember when I was even younger and, and they only had that like soft cover dictionary style one. Yeah. Before yeah. they busted out that like glitzy the one. Glitzy. Yeah. Um, that was when it was still safe for kids. Um, anyways, but that's obviously, that's obviously a limited form of success. It is. You can't say it's not success, but it's a limited form of success. What exactly is limited about it? So first of all, the, the lack of that success, by the way, great job with the fire, thank you. I never had it going that long. Okay, thank you. Get an Israeli. Anything you need done, get an Israeli. Um, the, the first way it's limited is a little obvious, but let's quote a source. Let's quote a source. The Malbim, a safer called the Malbim, Mayor Leibish Malbim, he writes on Tehillim that there's two types of success, and this is a key thing. In Hebrew, we call one is Hatzlacha, that means achieving your goal. Hatzlacha means you, you accomplish the goal. That's the success we've been talking about now. And he says that's even called Hatzlacha when it's not your type of success. What does he mean? Like the things we're talking about. Like he even speaks it out pretty clearly. He says a human being can learn to catch a fish with his bare hands. He could do it. There's such a thing. There's like these tribes, you know? But he'll never be as good at it as a grizzly bear because a grizzly bear, like that's what he's good at. A human being could have very sharp vision. There was this program advertised on CBS radio for like decades to like tr to cure your myopia, whatever it's called, short-sightedness. Like all these exercises and you can develop sharper vision. You could do that. So, but he'll never be as good at it as an eagle because like that's what an eagle is good at. So that's the, that's, the, that's the demarcation here. Success at something that's not what you are built to be good at is a limited form of success. There's a different word in Hebrew for, for accomplishing what you're good at doing. And that's called osher. Called osher. That's what we say. Ashrei yoshrei Osher. It's a form of success where that's your niche. That's what you're good at doing. Okay? Um, that's one differentiation. That's one difference. Obvious difference between a Guinness Book of World Records accomplishment and the type of accomplishment that we're aiming for in our lives. The next difference is as follows. When you accomplish a goal, there's this funny thing. As long as you're in, there's a certain sense of satisfaction that comes from pursuing the goal that you actually lose once the goal is accomplished. Why? Because now it's done. It's over. It's over. And because of that, your sense of accomplishment is temporary or it disappears. What makes that last is when the thing that you accomplished, the thing that you accomplished leaves you positioned in a better position than you were in before you began pursuing that goal. So an easy example of this is in a business. When you have a goal in a business, and by the time you complete the goal, that positions you in a better position, now you have more capital to reinvest, as an example, then that was a very clear, objective success. It was a success not because you accomplished the task. It was a success because now you're positioned better for the next goal, for the next task, for the next accomplishment. Okay. In a, a more, in a broader sense, what we're kind of saying is that even though we're all engaged in short-term goals and we're all engaged in goals day by day and we're all trying to accomplish certain tasks, 
those are all really linked to bigger, broader, more distant and greater goals. When you go to class, when you go into work, when you go out on a date, when, you're, when you eat dinner with your family, all of these things are connected to much bigger goals that are not limited to what you're doing in the moment. They're more distant goals. You don't accomplish them today. And what you're doing, the success of what you're doing, sorry, I can't help myself. You see that the one on top is stuck in the middle, and that's why the part that's, the part that's up is at the bottom. That's how you know he's successful, because it's so well lit that the tops are fused, and the bottom is not standing anymore. The bottom is sticking up in the air. All right. No, just leave it. It's good. I don't know. As far as it looks good to me. It's just a really good job. So, so uh, what you kind of notice, what you kind of realize is that even though we're setting out to accomplish a task, we're setting out to accomplish a mission, a goal today, but that's not our real goal. Sneakily, there's a whole different goal which we're really setting out to accomplish. Anybody have any questions on what we just said? Ultimately, just to get closer to yourself. Oh, I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet. Right now, I'm not. <laughs> that's, that's, so we have a neshama, right? That's too direct. It's too direct. It's too direct. It's too direct. It's too direct. You're not wrong, but it's too direct. Yeah. What? <laughs> I have to, I have to, I have to, I have to, um, I have to give him credit, okay? I have to give him credit for being right, and because of that, I have to explain why I'm not going to go there. Because, because he's so right, I'll have to explain why I'm not going to go there, okay? The reason is because there are certain truths. Look, I could, <laughs> remember we did this Thursday night once? I could sit you all down, I could sit you all down, and I could just steamroll you. And there are rabbis that do that. I could sit you all down and I could just steamroll you, okay? Why? Because you all are, are beautiful Sephardic souls. You're basically, right? And, and you all believe in the divine origins of the Torah. You all believe in God and you all believe that God gave us the Torah. If anybody doesn't, that's also okay. You can, if you want to talk to me about it um, separately, I, I don't mind teaching about that topic also. I just, I never thought it's necessary in a group setting so far. If it would become necessary in a group setting, I'll do it also. It doesn't bother me, the topic. But you all basically believe that there's a God and that he gave us the Torah. You don't believe that there's many gods. You don't believe that actually Mohammed is correct and really we don't have the Torah anymore. You don't believe that actually Jesus is correct and, and we don't have the Torah anymore. That's what the Muslims believe. That's what the Christians believe. As Jews, we believe that we still have the Torah and the Torah still addresses us. Okay. That simple equation, I could just sit here and like lay out all the things that we don't do that the Torah says you have to do and just steamroll everybody. Right? I steamroll myself as well. Okay? The Torah says you can't do this. That's something that we do. The Torah, okay. that, there are certain truths that even though we want them and we want to grasp them and we want to hold on to them and we want to integrate them into our lives, but the path to doing that is not to approach them directly. Right? Where I, where I go in the mornings, I go to learning yeshiva, that's how we do it. We just attack it head on. You know, we attack it head on. We say, all right, the Torah says we're supposed to do this. How come we don't do this, and what can we do to change that? All right, that's a very direct approach. Uh, I was just doing that this morning. Okay, whatever. 
I'm not kidding. Actually, it was afternoon already. At 1.15, um, I was reading a book, a Sefer, a holy book. And that Sefer, it said, XYZ is an awful idea, and it'll, it'll destroy all your hopes for accomplishing in Judaism. And not only that, if you are afflicted by this problem, you are not able to fix it. <laughs> okay, what do I do now? I thought I had that problem. I diagnosed myself, right? So I went over to my friend, like, have you ever seen this before? Very popular, common, it's a commonly read book, right? You ever seen this before? He goes, yeah. I'm like, well, how did you deal with that? He goes, yeah, I'm not sure. Still trying to work that out, you know. What was it? What was it? Yeah. Which book? No, like, yeah, like the book and the problem. The Silat Yishan. Oh, okay. Right. <laughs> Anyways, this is how we do it. But, but that approach is very difficult. You know, that approach is like when you're one step away. Okay. But that's not what we're doing here. That's not what we're doing here. Here, we're just trying to learn how to be successful and how to accomplish goals. And we're looking to the Torah for the Torah's approach. See, the, the thing is the Torah understands people very well. And so the Torah has all sorts of wisdom to share about how people work and how people can, um, how people can what's it called, maximize their potential. And this is what we're doing here. So what you notice is that all of these goals, all the things that we're in the middle of trying to accomplish now are really all connected with much more distant goals. Much more distant goals. Much greater goals, much more distant goals. And really, whether we consider it or not, whether we think about it or not, that impacts the course we take in, t- in pursuing those goals. My favorite example of this, uh, my favorite example of this is there are two men in my life who are very, very dear to me, very close with me, members of my family or extended family, and they are both lawyers. They're both very successful lawyers. You know, like, not unsuc- you know, like, we all know unsuccessful lawyers. They weren't unsuccessful lawyers. I know an unsuccessful lawyer. It's very sad. Because, like, once you're a lawyer, but you're not successful, you're already way down a career path, and you can't really change, and, like, you're stuck with a lot of student debt, and you can't ever break out of, of um, being an associate, and it's very sad. Like, you end up basically filing paperwork for people your whole life. Like, for that price, I could have been an accountant, you know. Whatever. I didn't, I didn't mean that. I didn't mean that to knock accountants. Are there any accountants here? I didn't mean that to knock accountants. <laughs> what I meant to say was, what I meant to say was that. What family is accountant? I, uh, I've noticed that. that uh, no, Edwin's not an accountant. Kochabi's not an accountant. Edwin's a lawyer. Edwin's a lawyer. Oh, really? Mashallah. You guys tell him what I said tonight. Um, no, what I mean to say is that an accountant has to file people's paperwork for a much higher purpose. Uh, and that's why they get paid. What successful lawyers get paid. But unsuccessful lawyers are just basically like they're stocking legal shelves, you know, for all intents and purposes. But anyways, no, these two guys, they're both successful, successful lawyers. One of them has presented to the Supreme Court many times, or at least once. One of them is rated the top five lawyers in the state of New York. It's the top 5% of lawyers in the state of New York. And uh, one of them... One of them, the one who's called a super lawyer, the top 5% of lawyers in the state of New York, pursued a very direct path towards financial success. That means he got a job as an associate at, what was it called? Uh, I feel like it was called Herrick Feinstein. It used to be like a big firm. And then he moved on to the job at Shane Gould. And then he got a job as a junior partner in a smaller firm and moved up to become a senior partner in the smaller firm. And he's got really cool clients. Like some of them are, some of them are like, you know, um, athletes and you know, famous athletes, really cool stuff. 
and he has an office in the city on 42 and Lex, and, and, uh, and, and, and he drives a sporty car, and, you know, he pursued a path towards financial success. What did it mean for his family? First of all, it meant that his family had more financial resources, straight up. It also meant that their dad was very much absentee. He wasn't able to be at any school production. He wasn't able to, you know, he wasn't able to be there before their bedtime. He was in the office until like 11 o'clock at night. You know, he told me once that he had a deal with his wife when he was an associate, like pushing paper for a long time and straight into the night, doing research for, for cases, whatever, that he would be basically working the whole night and not sleeping at all. And a lot of associates, what they do is they either have a sleeping bag in the office or they actually just don't sleep. He had a deal with his wife that he would come home, even though he wasn't going to sleep, he would come home from the city to the suburbs just to shower, eat breakfast, turn around, and go right back to work. He had a deal with her that he would come home every night. You know, there were some nights that that was all he did. He came at 3.30 in the morning, came home, he showered, he ate breakfast, he turned right around and went right back to work. Crazy life. Crazy life. He did it. He made it. He's financially successful. His family benefited a lot from that. Um, he's a good person, and he navigated that decently, and he has a decent relationship with his family still, now that he's a senior partner, and he can afford you know, to be home a little bit more. And, okay, it worked out for him, but he did not develop the strongest family life. This other, the other guy, the guy who presented the Supreme Court, from the beginning, he wanted to develop his family life. And so he took a job working as a federal attorney. What did that mean for him? It means he was never able to afford the city. They moved out of town. Almost right away, he lived out of town. It means that he didn't ever drive a sporty car, and he didn't leave a tremendous amount of financial resources for his family. Forget about leaving, he's still, he's still around, but he doesn't have a lot to share financially. He's able to be home at 6 o'clock every night for dinner. He was able to retire in time with his grandchildren, be a devoted grandfather, travel the world to be with his grandchildren for months at a time, Okay. It's very different, very different. Okay. That means that early on in their path, when they were both trying to accomplish financial stability, their long-term goals made a very big impact on the course they took. And I'm really, this is not a class about building a family life. This is not a class about building financial success. This is, this is a class which is not passing judgment at all on either method. On either method. I know just when you present it as facts, it sounds like I'm kind of downing on the first one. Not true. I'm really not. You know, really not. Not judging. I could tell you some downsides to the second one also. That's not the point here. Not judging. Just my point is that their long-term distance goals really made a difference when it came to how they applied themselves to the task at hand. A very reachable example of this, very understandable, when you're in school, there are classes you're going to take more seriously and classes you're going to take less seriously. An, an undergrad who, want, who knows that he's going to law school only cares about his LSAT, and that's basically just about it, or any classes that are actually going to help him in his education. He doesn't really need to care so much about his GPA. You know, we all know guys who got into like good schools, like uh, um, what's the one called in um, East Village? Um, oh, come on. East Village? Yeah. NYU? No, no, no. Columbia. Elder too. What? Columbia? No, no. Columbia's also with a C. Cardoza, yeah. Oh. I know a guy who got into Cardoza, yeah, awful GPA and a good LSAT score. He took a semester, he took a summer semester off 
to rock the Alsats. He rocked the Alsats. That's all he needed. That's all he needed. You know, so any class that wasn't integral, I'm sure he did not focus on biology. I bet you he skived off on biology. Right? Because it's not relevant, even though it's an immediate goal, but his long-term goals are impacting how he... Now somebody else, I guess, um, someone who's going to be an accountant probably cares more about his GPA. Less? More. You gotta get, you gotta, I've never went through this system. You have to, you have to give this to me. What? Who ca- what? CPA, you care about? Who's the one that needs to get every class, like, you know, a 4.0 GPA? Pre-med? Are you, any of you in pre-med? Lawyers also. No? Okay. What? No, I really worry about pre-med students. I'm telling you, because I, like, I lose them. They fall off the face of the planet when they go to medical school. And, and, and they know it also. They have a hard time with it. No... No, the, no social life, no religious life, no life, just no life, just work. It's very hard. It's a very hard thing. For some people, that's a worthy goal. I'm not, I'm not knocking, but I just feel like every time I hear like someone says, I'm in pre-med, I'm like, oh, I'm saying goodbye before I even get to know you, you know? Yeah, sidetrack, sorry. 500k in debt also. <laughs> yeah, but in four or five years, if they're decent, they make it back. Okay, any questions until now? No questions now. So when you're sitting down to, to set your, your short-term goals, when you're sitting down to set your short-term goals, which really means like not daily, even though it applies there also, but it really means more like, you know, semi-yearly, let's say you're choosing classes or, or you're choosing a new project to apply yourself to or you're deciding on two different people you could be dating. When you make those semi-annual decisions, we tend to make those decisions only looking at that immediate goal. And what happens then is we're limiting the possibility of success. I, I said that wrong. I don't mean we're limiting the chance of success. I mean we're limiting the amount of success we can have. Why? Because we're not taking into account our long-term goals. But if we would take into account our long-term goals, we can maximize how successful we could be by accomplishing that task. Because then we can make sure that that goal, when we'll accomplish it, will leave us in the best position going forward to further, to further our goals, our long-term goals. So in order to do this, you have to, you have to kind of systemize yourself and sit down to figure out your long-term goals, to figure out what you want in life, to figure out where you want to head. And you have to have that picture clearly when you choose a goal. The more painful part is to reassess the decisions we've already made and the, the, the tasks we're already in the middle of and the accomplishments we're already pursuing and assess those according to that pyramid. That's a little more painful, a little less comfortable. To be honest and say, well, maybe I actually chose that for a petty reason and it doesn't really feed into my long-term goal. So every, every task we're trying to accomplish, every mission that we're pursuing is measured in one of three ways, but there's really only two ways. I'll explain. The first way is, does it contribute to my long-term goal? If it does, ching success. The second, it detracts, it deters, it'll hold me back from my long-term goals. Boo! Failure. Failure. Right? 
failure. The third option is it doesn't detract. It doesn't contribute. So that, that when you think about it really, really for the real like driven person, that's a failure too because that time and energy could have been could have been applied to help your goals be successful. And so you're still, you're still going to be missing out at the end. Your final goals will be missing out what, something that they could have had. Okay, that's, the short, that's the long and short story about setting goals. If you want to set goals, you have to sit down and think, why do I want this? And the answer is going to be because you want, why do you want A? Because you want B, and A will help you get B. Okay, why do I want B? Huh. Because B will help you get C. Okay, why do I want C? And you take this as far as you can take it until you hit a brick wall where you have no clear, like it's so, so broad that you don't really have any clear thoughts formulated. And that's, keep that paper written. It'll change, it'll fluctuate as you grow and mature, but you'll find certain, a certain basic column will stay the same. And you need to keep that with you and that's how you, you, that's how you, uh, that's how you choose all of your decisions, how you choose which tasks to pursue and that's how you measure success. Yes, yeah, Sharona. You'll hit a brick wall where you're, you're thinking in such a broad way that you don't even have a grasp on what it means to have a goal in that direction. Like, here's a great example. Here's a great example. I bought a fire pit. Why did I buy a fire pit? Because I thought it would create a nice vibe for students. Why do I want to create a nice vibe for students? Because if it create a nice vibe for students, students are more likely to be attracted to events. Why do I want students to be attracted to events? Well, because then I could, I could help people if, if people aren't like we spoke about in relationships. Connection is where you can have what to do with somebody. If there's no connection, right, if there's no interface to interact, then you can't reach anybody, you can't help them, you can't do anything for them. Why do I want to help people? Now we're starting to get a little bit vague, you know? We're starting to get a little bit like bigger ideas, bigger ideas. To that, the answer could just be because I love the good things that I have and I want to share them with other people. That's a brick wall where there doesn't have to be a thought process beyond that necessarily. That's a, like valid in and of itself, as long as you can keep that, as long as you can keep it clearly understood by you. Meaning, sometimes it's so vague that you don't really have a grasp on it, and then the whole the whole structure can topple because you don't really have a clear grasp on what's what's the most basic thing driving you. But if you have it clearly clearly spoken out, you know, like for example, the example I just gave, I love what I have, and I want to be able to share it to people with people. If I can't clearly define for myself what I have and what I'm trying to share then it'll be very difficult for me to hold on to that ideal. Right? Let's say you're building a business. Why are you building a business? I know a guy who's building a business because he loves the sense of accomplishment that comes in building something up from scratch. Okay, boom, very simple, direct goal. Most people build up a business because they want to be able to support their family comfortably. Why do they want to be able to support their family comfortably? Well, because, um, because they wanted to establish a family which is successful. Why do they want to establish a family? Well, partially they want... They want that camaraderie or that oneness that comes from being married. And they want their children so that they could perpetuate themselves in the world. Well, why do you want to perpetuate yourself in the world? That might, that might be, why do you want the camaraderie of marriage? That, those might be questions which don't need an answer as long as you have a clear grasp on those emotions or those concepts. Meaning, they do need an answer, but to fuel this drive, to fuel this purpose in setting and accomplishing goals, you don't necessarily need an answer to those things uh, in order to continue, which is why I say a brick wall. Like a brick wall where you don't have you don't have clarity in that whole area of thought, 
to be able to establish another reason, but you can clearly formulate that that stage, that level. It's like a backstop in baseball. It's like a backstop in baseball. You have to be able to... Your backstop is the last stage that you can clearly formulate, but don't reach past that because then you lose your clarity in earlier stages. It's like a backstop, you know, make sure the ball doesn't head out into the street. You know those great pictures in, in high school? Like, or like in, I guess it was high school already had a more professional like field, but like, you know those great pictures like in Memorial Field, you know, if there wasn't a backstop, some cars would be out a window, you know? Mm -hmm. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. Who is it, who is it? Who is it? Which kid was it, who is it? Come on, who is the guy? Who's the guy? You don't forget that guy. Alright, I'll give you that. Any questions? You're not Persian either. Now you're in trouble. Remember? I'm more Persian than you. You are. Were you there, Josh? Josh doesn't know. Oh, you remember that? Okay. The girls don't know it. I told Sean one night. One night I told Sean that I'm more Persian than he is. <laughs> I didn't tell you. I, I told I told Josh one night. I told Sean one night that I'm more Persian than he is. Why? Because I say he's not claiming to be a Persian Muslim, right? His his Persian pride is because he's a Persian Jew. So I'm for sure like a billion times a Jew that Sean is, for sure. That means that the second I'm a little bit Persian, I'm more Persian than he is. Right? Beautiful. Right? Am I a little bit Persian? You're getting it. I'm a little bit Persian. Beshkoftan. <laughs> he told us. <laughs> so anyways, that's I'm more Persian. So Josh, you're not American and you're not Persian. What are you going to do now? You've got to at least be Jewish. Allah Akbar. Allah. They laugh they can hear. They heard me. Very nice. Very nice job. Very nice. <laughs> Any other questions? We got like a group shot because because people kind of don't believe me that I have like full programs going. A group shot. Wait, a group shot. One, yeah. One like the source. What what does the tour have to say about this? Okay, just a second. I'm gonna get a group shot. Brother, you have this selfie stick or what? No, no, I don't have a selfie stick. Thank you for joining JMAP Life Academy. Please join us next week as we delve deeper into setting successful goals.